Is this the Owens residence? I'm Mr. Belvedere. everyone. I'm your host, Angela Bowen. I'm the host of Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, a Mr. Belvedere podcast. Today, I will be reviewing Season 1, Episode 3, Gotta Dance, which aired on March 29th, 1985. Alright guys, I apologize for being away for a bit, but I, you know, I had my other podcast I had to work on that pretty much took over, so while I'm in my downtime from there, I will be doing occasional Mr. Belvedere podcast episodes. It's not going to be every week. It'll probably be twice a month, but we'll see. All right. In this episode, after watching a ballet on TV with Mr. Belvedere, Wesley is so impressed with it that he decides to join a ballet class. However, George is disappointed that he chose this over football. Here is TV.com's episode description. George is all excited about Wesley joining the football team and goes all out to encourage him. However, after watching the ballet with Mr. Belvedere, Wesley forgets about football and begins to only show interest in taking up ballet, and soon the entire family does their best to try to keep it a secret from George. Alright, let's jump right into this cold open here. It begins in the kitchen with Belvedere drinking tea and watching an infomercial about a heart-shaped necklace for only $19.99. But what? There's more, the announcer says. But wait, there's more. And Mr. Belvedere says, no, there isn't, as he turns off the TV. Marcia comes into the kitchen, and then George comes in, and they both sit down to an empty an empty and bare table. George asks sarcastically, so, has anyone seen my fork? Apparently, it's breakfast time. George looks over at Mr. Belvedere, who just smiles, and goes back to reading the paper. Marcia asks Mr. Belvedere if today is his day off. Don't they set his schedule? Would he just strictly be needed? Wouldn't he be strictly just be needed Monday through Friday and have weekends off? They can't manage two fucking days without him? He asks them if they need something, and George rudely says, Yeah, breakfast. And Belvedere tells them he hasn't prepared anything because he thought they'd be going to church and get a bite to eat out after. Marcia reminds George that it's Sunday. Alright, pardon me, but they don't seem like the type that go to church. Not that there is a type, but I wasn't under the impression that they attended services. It takes a moment, but it finally sinks into George's head. Belvedere tells the Owens that he found a flyer in the drawer for a church and assumed they go on Sundays. And Marcia tells him, well, we do go. Then George tells him, but we're not fanatics about it. Marcia explains that with the changes over the last couple of months, they haven't gone as frequently as they should. We get it. They don't go to church. Can we please move on from this? Belvedere tells her he understands, and Marcia tells George, now that Belvedere is here, there's really no reason why we shouldn't go to church. George looks up at her, saying, But it's Sunday. She gives him a stern look. The sun's out, he mutters. That's right, can't waste the sun, can we? Wesley comes into the kitchen, dragging George's golf clubs, and asks George when he should, where he should put them. George turns in his chair to look at Belvedere, who has a shocked expression on his face. George is basically thinking, oh, I know a place. Marcia saves face and tells Wesley they're going to church as she shuffles him out the kitchen door. 
It's not Easter, he tells her as she pushes him out the door. Belvedere apologizes, and George picks up his club, stating, It's okay. I didn't have plans anyway, as he heads out the door. Belvedere tells him to have a good worship and say a little prayer for him. George just looks at Belvedere and says, I will. Like, you're gonna need it. Then George says the same way, the same line, right after I said that. It's like, okay, how funny is that? Then the theme song comes on. Mr. Belvedere had made some rolls or pastries, and the family's coming back from church. Heather says she's never been so embarrassed, and it turns out Kevin accidentally spilled the collection plate over into some lady's dress. And George laughs at this, stating there must have been $20 in change in there. Kevin leaves to go change, and George pours himself some OJ as he sees ballet playing on the portable television and the counter. Or the portable television on the counter. And remarks how he didn't know that a heavyset woman could jump that high. Then Wesley and Marcia come in arguing. He tells her, I didn't start it. And she tells him that they'll talk about it later. Wesley looks at Belvedere for support, telling him he just asked the question, where, why weren't there any dinosaurs on Noah's Ark? Some boy in the pew behind him started laughing at him, so Wesley took a hymnal book and hit the kid over the head with it. Wesley complains to his mom, I was blessing him. He tells them breakfast will be ready in 15 minutes. George comes over and suggests they change out of their church clothes and go outside to toss the old football around since Pop Warner football is coming up. Belvedere switches the TV back on the ballet and Wesley takes notice asking if he's watching aerobics. Belvedere corrects him telling him it's ballet. Wesley tells him they don't really watch that kind of stuff and asks why Belvedere likes it. He tells Wesley it's for the same reason George likes the sporting events. It's fast-paced, colorful, emotionally engaging, and there aren't any beer commercials. Wesley looks really impressed at all the moves and decides he'd like to give it a try. Alright, I'm going to play the clip for you because I love their discussion as Belvedere explains the different moves to Wesley. Be right back. What's watching? Aerobics? <laughs> it's Le Corsair by Adolf Adam. It's a ballet. Oh, yeah, we don't watch that sort of stuff. Ah. How come you like it? The same reason your father likes watching his sporting events. It's fast-paced, colorful, emotionally engaging, and there aren't any beer commercials. <laughs> They're just dancing. Hey, look at that guy jump! He looks like Dr. J! <laughs> that guy is Lieutenant Berbanto, and the jump is called a cabrio. It's a very difficult maneuver. Yeah, well, if he's so great, why isn't he with the Celtics? <laughs> because he chose to dance. It requires the same skills, stamina, and strength as any of your professional sports. Wow, look at him spin around. That is called a pirouette. You think I could do something like that? I don't see any reason why not. If you were to practice and have discipline, you could be on your toes in no time. Oh, yeah? Whoa, now he's sliding across the floor. What's that called? A mistake, Wesley. <laughs> hey, Mom, Mr. Belvedere said I could learn ballet. Marcia walks into the kitchen, and Wesley excitedly tells her Mr. Belvedere said he could try out for ballet. George comes into the kitchen with the football, asking Wesley what the holdup is. We have a possible side story here. Actually, no, it's not really side stories. It's just a cute, funny little bit. 
with uh, Heather over the phone, Bill, as Marcia asked her about the 900 number she called 15 times that equaled out to $10. Heather tells her it was a Dran Dran hotline. She thought it was free. <laughs> really? Maybe the first minute it was. Then they charge up the ass afterwards at, what, two bucks every additional minute? Those calls Heather was making, I believe, came out to a buck fifty per call. That's not terrible. Marcia should have seen the charges I made when I was 11 to the 900 number for the All My Children Soap Opera Hotline. It was expensive, and this was in 1993. My dad had the number blocked, of course. Marcia tells her that the $10 will have to come out of her allowance, and Heather mentions she needs... But I need that money for birth control. And Mr. Belvedere, who was dusting the mantle, whips around in shock. I burst out laughing at that. Marcia looks like she's on the verge of a breakdown as Heather tries telling her, Mom, 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 I was only kidding. Wesley and uh, Kevin walk in the door after Wesley's ba ballet class, and Belvedere makes some ballet jokes about Wesley minding his pillays and... Jetes or, I don't know what the hell that word, J-E-T-E. -E. Wesley tells him he's learning all of that. Kevin mentions how they'll be able to see it Friday night. Wesley tells him that they're having a recital that he'll be in. Marcia looks at the flyer and groans because George has no idea that Wesley is even doing ballet. He thinks Wes is playing football. Wesley complains, telling her that he's tired of lying to his dad about playing football. Belvedere comes to her defense saying she's not lying, she's just telling an edited version of the truth. Kevin says he's getting an ulcer from lying to George when he asks how Wesley is playing. Is he rushing? Is he blitzing? The lies, they're tearing the family apart. Wesley recalls the time George got home before them and Wesley had to stay outside and roll in the dirt to look like he had been at football practice. Kevin, or excuse me, Marcia doesn't help when she guilts Wesley into how much sports means to George, who played in high school and writes about sports for a living, and how much it would mean for Wesley to play. Marcia promises Wes that they will tell George about the ballet lessons. Heather comes into the room and tells everyone George is home, as Belvedere quickly mentions the ballet slippers as Marcia grabs them off the floor, passing them to Kevin as he throws them to Heather, who's heading up the stairs. Then we see George coming through the kitchen holding a bag with a surprise in it for Wesley. He pulls out football shoulder pads. If Wesley was actually in peewee football, wouldn't he already have those, or does his dad have to supply them? Wesley comes into the kitchen where Marcia is at the table with their school books, and Belvedere is drying dishes. Wesley, of course, is pissed, wearing his shoulder pads over the clothes he was in wearing in the previous scene, and he walks out of the kitchen. Belvedere tells Marcia she'll have to eventually tell George about Wesley taking ballet lessons, and Marcia tells Belvedere how she hoped after a couple lessons, Wes would have lost interest and she wouldn't have to. But it's clearly starting to grow on Wesley, so Belvedere tells Marcia to talk to George and tell him how much Wesley is enjoying it. You know, enjoying what he's doing, and maybe George will just get over it. Marcia decides it's the right thing to do and tells George, but Belvedere asks her to leave his name out of it when she does tell him. I'm sorry, Belvedere, but George is going to know it was you because no one else in the house has the slightest interest in ballet and the classical arts like you do. George comes down holding the ballet slippers, saying he found them on his shaving mirror. What the? Why? What the hell? Why? Who would have put them there? Why? It's like, here, Dad. I'm going to just flat out put these here so that way you'll ask what they're doing there. 
Heather tells him they're hers, but Marsha admits they're not Heather's. That's when Wesley comes in, takes them from George, but looks over his shoulder at Marsha and says, I think you can tell him now. May as well, his cover's blown anyway. George tries to keep his composure about her son taking ballet as the rest of the family sits there and grimaces. Marcia tells him they wanted to tell him and how he he asks how long has Wes been doing this? And Marcia tells him, oh, not long, a month. George laughs at this. <laughs> a month? Oh, boy. Basically, him being deceived, thinking his son was playing football, when all this time he's been doing twirls down at the tutu farm. George is a homophobic, male, chauvinistic asshole here. Does he think Wesley doing ballet, does he think that by him doing ballet, it's somehow going to make him gay? Is that what he's afraid of? George then wonders what else has been going on with his kids and asks, is Heather still in school? Hey, Kevin, are you married yet? You got kids? Then Belvedere comes up behind him, telling him that he may partially be responsible. That's when George whirls around, pointing a finger in his direction, saying, this is your fault. Uh, Belvedere, I think, already admitted blame George, so you're kind of late there. Marcia tells George that she was the one who gave permission, and Kevin adds how he was the one that gave Wesley rides there, and Heather helped Wes pick out his slippers. Wesley comes into the living room and asks George if everything is okay. George tells him, oh, it's, it's fine. Wesley asks, well, are you going to come Friday night? And George says, I wouldn't miss it for the world. After Wesley heads upstairs, he turns to the rest of the family and says, what the hell is Friday night? Marcia shows George the flyer for the recital. In the next scene, Belvedere comes into the kitchen after George asks to speak with him. Belvedere goes on to explain, but George waves a hand dismissively. Then he goes on to what he and Marcia, mainly George, expected from the hired help. What they kind of envisioned, basically he was envisioning a woman with an apron who kept to herself and helped out when needed. George flat out tells Belvedere to stop putting ideas in his kid's head when it comes to ballet, and Belvedere fires back that they should support Wesley's interests. Boy oh boy, do things get heated between these two, but it's mainly on George. He's such a hothead. George comes down the stairs and straightens a picture. Then he straightens a clock, and that's when Kevin pokes his head in the door and tells George, you know, hurry, everyone's waiting in the car. And here George is taking his sweet-ass time. Kevin tells him that the clock doesn't work, and George is like, oh, well, I'll get my tools. Kevin accuses him, Dad, you're stalling. And George tells him, no, I'm not. But then the horn honks outside, proving otherwise. So now we're at the recital, and I like that they're giving out cups of juice. Like, oh, stay for the recital. We'll give you a cup of juice. Kevin and Heather come into the room, and George, <laughs> Kevin mentions how they would have come sooner if George hadn't stopped for gas three times. How the hell is that possible? Marcia greets George as he enters, and she tells him Wesley's really excited, and she got them seats up front. George tells her he'll be right along as he stops over to the punch table and asks if the lady has anything harder, like hard liquor. And she holds up a tray of brownies. George takes a brownie, smacks it a couple times on the plate, and walks off. George sits down to Mar next to Marcia and some guy in a pale or in a blue leisure suit. The guy tells George he'd rather be watching a penguins game, and George agrees. But the guy whose name he introduces himself as Jack says, "Well, I can't miss my daughter's recital." The guy who's sitting next to George, actor Michael Mc. 
Manis. I recognize him from the movie Poltergeist at the, as the neighbor. He was also in an episode of uh, Growing Pains and Full House, and also a few in the episodes of Night Court as well. He tells George his daughter's in the recital, and then he asks George who his kid is, and George just randomly points like, eh, over over there somewhere. The play opens with a girl, man, and woman dancing, and right away, the homophobic jokes start coming from this guy, Jack Terrell, about the male lead being Prince Dalian, about and him being a guy who rides side saddle. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to insinuate. George just side-eyes the guy, probably thinking, what's this guy going to say when Wesley comes out? Then, uh, the guy pretty much just continues his comments, and Belvedere shushes him. The guy is just waiting for George to tear him a new asshole, making fun of Wes, calling him Tinkerbell in a Fruit Loop. Jack then mentions how if Wesley grew his hair out, he'd make a pretty nice girl. He's a fucking pedophile! That's gross! It's like when he said that, he's like, oh, yeah, he's like really looking at him like, that is nasty. George, having had enough, tells the guy, that's my son. The guy's like, huh? George repeats, that's my son! And then he gets up and lets the guy have it, defending Wesley, and after Belvedere claps, I cheered at this. I'm going to play this clip, and I'll be right back. Because I like how George is finally, he's like, I've had a fuck enough. You don't fucking talk about my kid that way. And you let these kids, he basically tells the kids afterwards, like, you guys keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. Don't mind this asshole here. I'll be right back, guys. another one and you know this kid doesn't have a chance <laughs> well, which one's yours one of those over there why cindy's the one next to tinkerbell cute Pink made kind of a nice move there, huh? Sort of a little fruit loop. <laughs> fruit loop. <laughs> Tears your heart out, doesn't it? Soon. <laughs> Actually, if he let his hair grow a little bit, he'd make a pretty nice girl. <laughs> it's my son. What? My son. His name is Wesley. It's not Prince Valiant. It's not Fruit Loop. And it's not Tinkerbell. <laughs> and he's doing a hell of a job up there, and I'm proud of him. And you open your fat mouth one more time, you're going to be dancing in Never Never Land. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. You kids keep going. Hit it. <laughs> In the next scene, we see George head up to the attic with Wesley's football shoulder pads. Belvedere comes up and tells George that Wesley was very proud of George's outburst at the recital. George shows an autographed baseball to Belvedere that he had signed all the Pirate, Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team 
players signed the day Kevin was born. He then tells Belvedere he, his final hopes of Wesley being a sports guy like him, since Kevin is basically a klutz. Belvedere tells George how his practicing of the bassoon made him develop a long um, desire for uh, lawn bowling. At this, George heads back downstairs like, okay, you know what, I'm going to go. That's the end of the episode, everyone. Before I go, here are some parting words from Mr. Belvedere. And I'm going to play that clip. And I'll be right back. Actually, you know what? I'll play the clip right after this. All right. All right. Welcome to the segment called Belvedere's Biscuit Bites. Basically, my own message of what I got from the show. Please encourage your children's interests. Don't make them ashamed just because it might be something you don't agree with or you might feel embarrassed by. Support your children. Let them dream their dreams and share their interests with you. Also, if you'd like to stay connected with this podcast, there are many ways to do so. Facebook, Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, Mr. Belvedere Podcast. Instagram, Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere Podcast. Twitter, Tea Time with Mr. B Pod. Also, if you'd like to message me, you can do so by emailing me at Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere Podcast at gmail.com, and I'll read it on the podcast if you'd like me to. Join me next time when I review Season 1, Episode 4, Gorgeous George, which aired on April 5th, 1985. George gets into a fight with a spectator at a wrestling match, which results in him dealing with a bruised ego. Alright guys, I will see you next time, possibly in a couple weeks. We'll just decide, you know, how it goes from there. So, alright. You guys have a wonderful week and a wonderful introduction into fall weather. Alright, bye-bye. At any rate, the boy seems to be progressing quite well with his lessons, and even George is taking a more active interest. He had a number sewn on the back of Wesley's leotard. <laughs> oh, a footnote. The events of the last few days have reawakened in me an interest I thought I'd long since forgotten.